1: Welcome to sound reasoning i'm your host Persis Poku on today's episode, we wanted to continue our discussion on the bible on the bible uh, I just can't talk about it enough this writ w r i t that the Lord has given us uh, to live our lives and not just to live our lives but to Live it more abundantly. We have the answers to life's issues all summed up in the personage of Jesus Christ. And in the Bible is where we learn more about Christ, the salvation he offers, and the direction he dictates. So having the Bible is not enough. We must treat it the way that it ought to be treated. The Bible, as some have said, is the basic instructions before leaving earth. It is the love message from God to us. The Bible that we have, it's more than just a nice leather-bound cover, and uh, it's more than just uh, a book that contains ancient maps. It's it's more than that. It's, It's more than just a book with red letters uh, referencing Jesus Christ. It's it's more than that. Uh, It's more than just the material things that we use it for. It's more importantly, uh, God's word. It is that metaphysical aspect of the Bible that all of us should pay attention to. As Christ himself said, let us not be just hearers of the word, but let us be doers of the word. Uh, Sunday morning uh, worship is not the only time that we ought to pick up the Bible. We must read the Bible daily. We must pray daily. And in the Bible is where we find the principles, the instructions, and the commandments of God. Having the Bible again is not totally enough. It's good to have a Bible. But are we reading the Bible? Are we applying the Bible? Are we praying based on what God has already uh, approved or authorized in the scriptures? I love the passage that deals with uh, delighting ourselves in the Lord, and he will give us the desires of our heart. It's fascinating that throughout my Christian walk, I've heard many Christians quote the second part but rarely the first part. We want the Lord to give us the desires of our heart. But yet in many cases we're not delighting ourselves in the Lord. There will be uh few to little uh residue or as we call it uh blessings from our prayer request if we're not even sure what we're praying for and what we're praying about. We have to be specific in our prayers and that specificity has to be rooted in what God has already approved. So when we delight ourselves in the Lord, that encompasses knowing the will of God. And how do we know the will of God? We got to read his Bible. We got to read his mandates. We have to visit the statutes. We have to look at the law. We have to look at grace. We have to look at God's benevolence. We, we, we have to know what the will of God is. In many cases, many of us are struggling physically. We're struggling emotionally, and we're struggling uh, spiritually. And in some cases, our struggles are rooted in the fact that we don't have a good grip of our Christian faith. And that's what the Bible helps us with. The Bible uh, helps to remove the cobwebs uh, out of the lenses. It helps uh, for us to start thinking spiritual versus natural. The Bible helps us to understand the totality of our human existence. Whether birth or whether it's death, the Bible responds to that, whether it's joy or whether or, or whether you 're downcast, the Bible responds to that. so uh, we've spent the last few weeks talking about the wonderful Bible. we spend the last few weeks uh, talking about uh, the trustworthiness of the New testament manuscripts we t- 've talked about the trustworthiness of the Torah. And, and I'm hoping as we've gone through this series, that you're getting a better understanding of how to read the Bible for all it's worth. It is a treasure and it's eternal in the sense that God breathed the words, God authored the words, and he can be trusted. And if God can be trusted, then his word can be trusted. And then in the last few weeks, we started to talk about uh, writings that uh, exist but are not in our Bible. And many people in the world, uh, skeptics especially, have tried to imply that um, Christendom or the church has um, actively... Uh, portrayed a fraud on humanity. In other words, what the skeptics are saying is that there are other things found in uh, these books that we've discovered that's not in the 66 books. So, the church then, as a result, must uh, be hiding something. That's the implication, is that we are hiding something Because we didn't include these other books into the Bible, into the 66 books that we have. And I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time um, on that um, question. You can review, you can go to our website and look at the previous episodes where I talked about the canonicity, where I talked about the standard. Um, And and I I spent a lot of time uh, trying to unpack our response to the skeptics. And for today's episode, I still wanted to talk about more of these so-called lost books of the Bible, which were never lost. The church has always known about them. Um, our, the early uh, Christians vetted these books and decided they were not worthy to be included in the uh, canonicity um, of, of the Bible. And most of the reasons, as I said before, um, was vetted and, and reviewed, and they didn't meet the mustard. They, they, they didn't meet the standard that was set to uh, ascertain whether or not these books should be included. And remember the three questions that the early uh, Christians asked if a new book or letter was to be considered, to be entered into uh, the canonicity of Scripture. The first question they used to vet any book was, "Was this text inspired by God? Is it God-inspired? Meaning that when they reviewed the letter, when they reviewed uh, whatever submission, the question was, now that we've read this entire letter, are we 100% certain that this writing Uh, uh, was authored by God, and if any part of that letter was uh, wrong, in the sense that it contradicted the rest of the scriptures that we had, then they disavowed it. They rejected the whole book. They rejected the whole book. If a letter was 99% accurate and 1% wrong, they rejected the whole book, because their argument is that if the Holy Spirit was involved, then the entirety of the letter would be preserved. So, that was the first question, when vetting whether a writing was to be included into the Bible. Number two, the second question they asked was, did God's people recognize it as the word of God? And we're dealing with church historicity. In other words, can we or do we have proof that uh, somebody like Polycarp saw this particular writing as coming from, uh, a trustworthy source. Polycarp was the student of John, John the apostle. And then, uh, if it can't be traced through uh, credible hands, then it was rejected. So if Matthew wrote a letter and the church was familiar with that letter and that letter was distributed among Christian churches in the first century, then Uh, if a copy came into the hands of the early Christians who were dealing with canonicity, they could determine through the exchanging of hands to the uh, trustworthiness and credibility of eyewitness testimony and writings. If they can trace it back to the usage of the early Christians who were credible, then it was allowed. And again, it, it must be harmonious with the rest of scripture. So that was the second question. Did God's people recognize it as the word of God? Was it already uh, in existence in the the church community uh, based on uh, uh, the historicity, based on trustworthy uh, sources? Uh, Can that be uh, trusted? Then the third thing was, was the text uh, successfully preserved? Was it uh, successfully preserved? Uh, How did we obtain these writings? Uh, through whose hands did it come through for us to get these writings? And so uh, that was looked at. Where did it come from? Uh, who had it? Uh, when was it written? And how? Uh, uh, what, what was it found in? So all these questions were asked, and the early Christians were very diligent and careful to make sure that whatever writings were allowed in the canonicity of Scripture was thoroughly vetted. research, But yet, as we read in Galatians, the first chapter, where Paul, and I'm paraphrasing, where Paul says, uh, whether it is we or an angel from heaven, uh, say any other words to you other than the ones you've already received, let them be accursed. So, Paul is saying it doesn't matter who's espousing false doctrine. If if they are uh, teaching or preaching false doctrine, God will deal with them. God would deal with them, Maranatha. God would deal with them, Um, uh, let them be accursed. God will be their judge when people espouse false doctrines. So, as I said before, these uh, so-called lost books of the Bibles are uh, pseudopigrapha. And these pseudopigraphical books, the first one that I want to deal with is the Gospel of Thomas, which was written around 2nd century and this was not included in the scriptures for a reason, for a good reason. Now, this work was mentioned by early uh, church fathers such as Irenaeus and Origen. And it contains unsubstantiated claims about the early life of Jesus Christ. Some of the writings also included Gnostic beliefs. So this is why it was not included uh, in the rest of Scripture, uh, and in terms of Gnosticism, when when we say Gnostic belief, uh, that's uh, spelled G-n-o-s-t-i-c, Gnostic, and sometimes uh, the uh, accentuation of it is Gnosticism, um, or the conjugation rather, uh, Gnosticism. You you see this in a lot of Christian uh, theological books, or you'll see it uh, on, in the footnote section of your own Bible. And the people that followed Gnosticism, the basic premise, uh, was this, uh, uh, God called the D And, um, they believe that God, uh, sent Jesus, but Jesus did, wasn't here physically. He was totally spiritual, uh, that Jesus, uh, approached them spiritually, uh, privately, subjectively. So, uh, when Jesus came, he didn't have a real body. Their theology, Uh, taught that the body was evil. Why? Because all material substances was evil. Uh, Their argument uh, in some of their writings would say uh, the corruption of the body proves that the body is evil because the body deteriorates. And so they had a bias against all physical things. Uh, And they were trying to escape the body. Uh, Their deliverance their salvation was to escape this body and only deal with the spiritual see the the the, the problem again when somebody have that type of argument you must compare the scripture uh, to scripture test the spirit by the spirit and in Scripture the body is valued versus devalued the the, the body is promoted Jesus rose up physically in the physical body when when Jesus uh, um, Asked Thomas to touch his hands. That was physical. It wasn't spiritual. And so you may be saying, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is whenever uh, there is an error in theology, whenever there's an error in doctrine, it turns into heresy. And heresy uh, hurts people. There have been major movements that have started from a, a misunderstanding or misinterpretation or intentional uh Bad teaching, uh, which which, which uh, came into uh, a, a, a bigger or problematic issue for the church. Uh, same thing with um, Charles Taze Russell, who started the Jehovah Witnesses. His, his 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 misunderstanding of simple scriptures blossomed into this movement that we call Jehovah Witnesses. So don't ever um, misunderstand or don't don't ever uh, just uh, callously think that when somebody has uh, an error in doctrine that is innocent. Uh, the devil will use what you deem innocent and blow it up into something large. And if we don't deal with it when we first uh, see it, it will blossom into something bigger. Uh, so we uh, we we must reject false doctrine. We we must reject uh, uh, doctrines that are contrary to the rest of what the Bible already says. So that's the Gospel of Thomas, which uh, we believe was written in the second century. Then the next uh, pseudopigraphic book uh, that they call the, or categorize as the lost books of the Bible is the Gospel of Peter, which was written in the second century. Now, this work was cited by uh, the early church father, Eusebius, as well as Origen. Uh, this work was also rejected because some of the passages rejected the humanity of Christ, uh, which in history we call the doceticism movement, where uh, uh, this group of uh, so-called Christians, they rejected the uh, humanity of Jesus Christ. Now, we that are Christians um, that uh, study the Bible, uh, we know that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And to reject, uh, for, exa- for an example, to reject his divinity as the Jehovah Witnesses do or to reject his humanity as the docet- uh, docetic movement was doing is to give a, a skewed view of who Jesus is biblically. And again, um, having a, a, a false view or an unbiblical view of anything can blossom into things that are more dangerous. Uh, We we must nip heresy at the root. Uh, We we must deal with it up front because if we don't deal with it, then it turns into larger movements, which in turn hurts people. There are a lot of well-meaning people that are being deceived even today because of bad teachings, because of bad theology, and even Um, this whole segment that we're doing, it's not about just gaining uh, cerebral knowledge. It's not not just about uh, you uh, learning these things so you can beat people upside the head with the the knowledge. I'm hoping that all of this information that you're getting is to, number one, edify you, build you up, and number two, uh, cause you to... uh, React like Jesus would, to have compassion on those that are lost, to have compassion on believers that are misinformed. And through that charity, through that love, you witness because you have love for the people, not just to win arguments, not just to, to be argumentative, but because we love people, we share God's word with them. So, again, uh, these are two books from um the pseudepigraphic collection that others called the lost books of the Bible. And, I, and as I say before, uh, these books were not lost. The early church fathers were aware of them, and they rejected them because they could not be trusted. Uh, they, they believed that it, it was not inspired by the Holy Spirit. And then we already went through the three criteria that they used to vet whether or not um, a letter should be included in the canonicity of scripture with the rest of the ones we already have. So the gospel of Thomas was rejected. The gospel of Peter was rejected. The gospel of the Hebrews um, was also vetted. This work was familiar to church father Eusebius, origin and Clement of Alexandria. After careful review, this work was rejected due to the blatant contradiction to the authoritative uh, Authoritative nature of Scripture. So, this Gospel of the Hebrews is not the Hebrews that we have. It's not the uh, uh, the letter that we have in uh, our canon. This is another uh, Gospel. It's called the Gospel of the Hebrews. Uh, some of the issues involved in this particular writing was the feminization of the Holy Spirit by calling Him Mother. Uh, in addition, uh, in inaccurately. Uh, describes similar events in the Bible about the birth of Mary and the baptism of Jesus Christ. So the writings in this particular uh, letter um, contradicts the writings we already have, the narrative that we already have about Mary, about Jesus' baptism. And again, the feminization of the Holy Spirit, it seems like Uh, something more contemporary in the 21st century, but it's this particular type of thinking has been espoused since the first century. So um, this whole thing of uh, heresy or uh, unbiblical writings has been going on since the first century. It's nothing new under the sun. Number four, the gospel of Philip written in the second century, this work was rejected due to its platonic influences. It also attributed Attributed alleged quotes to Christ, which cannot be substantiated. And again, um, this work was rejected, this gospel of Philip, because of unbiblical um, internal writings uh, that were inconsistent with the rest of Scripture. And there were uh, works or writings in it that attributed certain things to Jesus, which uh, cannot be backed up by this Bible that we do have. Uh, so this, these are just a few four examples of um, uh, pseudographical work that the church encountered but did not include into the scriptures for all those various reasons that I talked about. Well, our time has come to an end. Uh, it always comes across quickly. Uh, but we thank you for listening. We thank you for your prayers. And as always, uh, we, th- we thank you for uh, the various donations of our listeners. Uh, this show is listener supported. We would love for you to become uh, our partner. Uh, if you like to give, you can go on our wes- website, srministries.org, or you can uh, write your donation out to SRM or Sound of Ministries. Uh, P.O. Box 582-306, Elk Grove, California, 95758. And remember, uh, stand for the truth. Remember to always do for the truth what others do for a lie. Again, may the Lord be with you. Uh, we love you all. Continue to stand for the truth and continue to stand for Christ. Uh, until he comes back, may the Lord be with you. God bless.